0: Welcome to Sport Faith Life with Brian Bolt and Chad Carlson, two guys who came together for one common purpose, to think deeply about sport and faith. They are sports scholars, they're coaches, and they're competitive athletes, or at least they were. And together, they've created Sport Faith Life, a conversation that meets at the intersection of sport and faith. Today on Sport Faith Life, we welcome Stuart Ware. Stuart is a lover of Christ and of sport, and he has devoted much of his life to helping people understand both better. Stuart has served as a chaplain for many high-profile sports, has written several books on sport and faith, and is the executive director of Verite Sport, an organization that features the best of sport and Christianity resources from around the world. We're eager to talk with him, so, Let's get started.
1: Well, we're so excited to have Stuart Weir on the show with us today. Stuart, tell us a little bit about sport in your life.
2: Um, I have no great sporting achievements in my life, um, but I am still playing walking soccer. You see, it's actually walking football, but just to be cross-culture, huh. I'm calling it soccer you. Uh, for, you, for you. I play that uh twice or a week perhaps and um, i don't like to boast of my achievements but i did actually win my first ever medal about a year ago which i think is pretty good um my son is an extremely good golfer and i'm an extremely poor golfer and in the family we've had two holes in one and i have got both of them and do i enjoy (laughs) telling him about it (laughs) But um, uh, I have not played sport at any uh, professional or semi-professional level, but it's been something I've enjoyed all my life and continue to play.
1: Well, that is wonderful. We'll have to ask more later on about about walking football. That sounds sounds fascinating. Nevertheless, tell us a little bit about faith in your life.
2: Well, I grew up in a church-going Christian family, and I suppose – Faith, in that sense, has been part of my life uh, right from the beginning uh, and it's something that has grown with me. uh, And I finished up uh, in what I suppose you would call full-time Christian ministry um, for probably 40-something years. So, uh, yeah, faith and sport. Uh, if you want to talk to me about faith and sport, you won't go far wrong because they're probably two of the things I'm I'm most interested in.
0: Well, Stuart, it's uh, great to have you on. I have read your work through the years and have spent some time uh, uh, thinking about these sorts of things, I feel like, alongside you. Uh, but... Um I wonder if there's something that you could tell us about you that's not related necessarily to faith and sport that would help our listeners get to know you.
2: Well, uh, I struggled to have anything that isn't related to to faith and sport. Um but I have been to 5 Olympics in an accredited role and two of those I was the Olympic attaché for Togo, which is a small country in West Africa. And I would Hesitate to be certain, but I wonder if you've ever had an Olympic attache from Togo on your program before. (laughs)
0: You you might be our first. We'll have to check our records, (laughs) but uh, uh, I think you might hold that honor. That's fantastic. So you talked about a, a long career in ministry, and I wonder, I think we need to hear a bit more about that. So I'd just like to start there. Can you give us a little bit of a chronology of your life and, and work uh, as you've kind of gotten to this point?
2: Well, shortly after I got married, I uh, did some theology studies. Uh, I had a, a first degree in German and French, um, and then nothing quite worked out after I finished um, theology studies uh, until I got involved as a volunteer in an organization called Christians in Sport. Uh, which is sort of the biggest ministry to sport in the UK and after I'd been a volunteer for about five to ten years I was offered a job and I worked there for ten years, so 16 years, 1990 to 2006 and then that sort of came to an end and I wanted to continue and I set up my own ministry and um, called Verity Sport and In view of the importance of this occasion, I brought the entire team to talk to you. (laughs) Um, Verity Sport is just me, and uh, we've never employed anyone else. And uh, when I reached the uh, age of uh, where the government sends me money uh, every month, uh, I stopped taking a salary, and I just continue now to work as a volunteer. And that's me.
1: So that feels like uh, we're just getting into the shallow waters of the impact that you've had and, and your humility, I'm sure, will continue to shine through here. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about um, some of the, the most, as you look back on your career, some of your, your favorite uh, experiences, some of the moments at which you really felt like um, you, know, you were living in a way that was most honoring to God and, and were feeling most blessed by Him in the work that you were doing.
2: I often feel that that I look back at my life and I'm amazed that I've got away with it for so long because I feel like I really am I, I'm not the most talented person, uh, but I just seemed often to be in the right position and to find those things I could do. I suppose I was just thinking about this. I wrote a book on sport and Christianity in 1993, which was pretty early, really, looking back. Um Sheryl Hoffman had written Sport and Religion the previous year. uh, And that was really the only book that I had seen at that stage. And so I wrote something. uh, uh, And then I wrote a more grown-up version of that in 2000, what the book says about sport, what the Bible says about sport. Um, And I've continued to publish. I've never been an academic, but through the kindness of people like Andy Parker, Nick Watson, Rob Ellis, um, I have written with people that in a sense, um, putting it slightly crudely, that perhaps I bring the practical side and they bring the joint up thinking. Um, And so that's been great fun. And then I discovered, no one had really documented what there was in terms of published material on sport and Christianity. I attempted to do that. And uh, I've tried to keep that up to date and it's on my, on my website. And I mean, I get random approaches from students in Australia and wherever, just saying, oh, I've seen this, now wondering where I could get hold of such a such a paper. Uh, and so that's great um, when that happens. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't feel, I don't feel that I have a word to describe what I do because, in a way, I do chaplaincy, but I've never been a chaplain. Uh, I'm not an academic, but I do write and publish. Um, uh, I I am passionate about how sport and Christianity can come together. And I mean, interestingly, um, Hugh McLeod has just published a book on the history of sport and Christianity in the UK. And one of the comments that he made was that very little thinking has taken place about how a Christian acts within sport. And I replied to Hugh, saying what a good book he'd written and so on, but saying, well, actually, I sort of feel that is, I've been trying to do that as my life's work, helping people to work out what it means to be a Christian in sport, particularly at the elite level.
0: And I think you did a good job there already, just sort of explaining the purpose of Verity Sport and how you've intersected with that through your lifetime. But I wonder if we can tap into just the fact that you've been doing this a long time and I could ask a question about the trends that you've seen, maybe the movement you've seen in terms of sport. How have things changed how have things stayed the same when we think about this intersection of sport and faith? Uh, and it may be related to uh, different people coming on board uh, and, and changing perspectives. Maybe there's a there's one or two people that have helped you sort of mm. adjust as you've thought about the, these topics.
2: Mm. Well, I mean, uh, speaking from a UK perspective, when Christians in sport was founded in 1980 and i got involved um in in the mid-1980s that was the only organization doing anything in trying to bring together sport and christianity uh, there were chaplains to the a number of the professional football or soccer teams but i mean now um, there is a, a group of uh, Sports Ministry UK, it's called. And there are probably 20 plus different organizations which are now trying as Christians to minister into sport. So there's been that development. I would say that a lot of that has been more evangelism through sport um, and less thinking about Hugh Cloud's question, uh, you know, what difference does it actually make to the way you do your sport. Uh, the fact that you're a Christian. Um, so that that would be one of one of the the, the the big things that that has happened. Um, hmm. I think that's I the main if I thing could, I can think
0: Go on. Yeah, I wonder if I could prompt you a little bit on that when you mentioned Sheryl Hoffman. Right. And Sheryl Hoffman has done great work for the world of, of sport and Christianity. But he uh, sort of led with an edge uh, that was pretty uh, critical of sport. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there have people mm-hmm. th- there have been people that have latched on to that and and walk that through with a real critical eye. And then there's been a, a group of people that sort of have combated that and thought about it um, much more positively in terms of that interaction between Christianity mm-hmm. and sport. Uh, How how have you sort of walked through that in your own writing and your own thinking?
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, I I am grateful to uh, Sheryl Hoffman, even though I don't agree with everything he's written, in the same way as I was quite influenced by um, Tony Ladd and uh, Jim Matheson's Muscular Christianity, uh, which offended an awful lot of people in the the Christian uh, (laughs) sports movement. But, I mean, as Jim Matheson once said to me, you know, we didn't think we were writing the definitive work. We were just hesitantly setting out some ideas for others to critique and take further. Uh, and I think that, that, that has been great. And sim- similarly, I, I'm just struggling with the name. Is it Um uh, – Clatton... um, I've got the book, book on my shelf – but uh, the, the person who, who wrote um, a critical book, which
1: again
2: I thought was quite helpful. If I can just uh, uh, yeah. uh, no, mm. like, and I I I I can't see it, but just just that I mean I think at times as Christians uh, we we need perhaps to be to be open to Clattenberger uh, I think his name was, and I mean he made the point that an awful lot of Um, American football coaches were very quick to share their faith, but perhaps less quick to, um, call out racism, sexism, and other things in American sport. And I mean, to me, I think that that is helpful to us to have people saying, you know, well, what about that? And, you know, just don't think you know everything. And, and so, um, I am grateful to people like like Hoffman and Klattenmaker and others uh, you know, who have written critically of evangelical approaches to to, to sport.
1: Well that, that's helpful. And it's it's been helpful to us too, to Brian and me as we have sort of negotiated our way within the community and, and tried to bring uh, different groups of people together that are doing different things within the intersection of sport and faith. And one of the dilemmas is that uh, you know so often we have sort of practitioners that are separated on one side, and then there are people who are thinking deeply and writing about sport and faith on another side. And and you seem to be someone that bridges that gap. And I and um, you know you've had a an a special um, you know special amount of impact through your writing. And I wonder if you were to if you were to write something today, taking a look at the intersection of sport and faith over the last. 20 years or so, what would be the focus of what you would write in in something like that now with your view, having, having gone through a career doing practical ministry, but also thinking deeply and writing academically about sport and faith?
2: That's a great question. Um, I mean, I suppose I would start with what I said earlier that, um, so much energy, money, resources uh, has gone into the evangelism through sport. You know, let's, let's take the impact of the famous athlete um, to make the gospel more credible. And I've never been very comfortable uh, with that because are we really saying that uh, the gospel is more true because a world record holder or a Super Bowl winner believes it. You know, at times you could get that impression. Um, I mean, I was involved in the International Sports Coalition, uh, as it it used to be called, I may have changed his name, which brought together people um, from around the world to um, work together as Christians ministering in sport. But again, very much with an evangelistic approach, Approach, and I mean one, one of the early books um, uh, which I, I remember reading about one um, of um, one of the, one of the thing, annoying things as you get older that names don't stick. <laughs> the, the pioneer <laughs> of NFL chaplaincy, Doc Doc Ishelman. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he he describes a lovely a lovely. Uh, situation where he was eating breakfast one day and noticed that there was an nfl player advertising his breakfast cereal and he just suddenly thought well why couldn't i get a a christian nfl player to advertise the gospel so to speak and and for me it's great when someone takes the opportunity to share their faith uh you know i mean the golfer bernhard langer someone i've known a bit And uh, he just won the U.S. Senior Open. And uh, in his victory speech, he said, well, i had been praying a lot and reading the Bible. Lovely to hear that said. But for me, there's more to it than simply that, that uh, opportunity for evangelism. And the questions I'd be asking is someone like Bernard Langer, who is helping him to grow in his faith? Who is helping him to Uh, work out what it looks like to be a Christian in the world of elite professional sport. And I think perhaps that's something that we have not done as well as we should. I I mean, athletes that that I know uh, have said to me that they're sometimes reluctant to go to church because they are mobbed by people who want to talk to them about the previous day's game or they because they may be reasonably high earners, they're taken aside and says, you know, we've got a big project coming up. Would you like to put some money into it? And in a way, I just feel that I, I'm privileged to know quite a number of elite athletes and they're lovely people. They're lovely Christians, but like the rest of us, they have feet of clay. And and perhaps they have challenges and um temptations that, that the rest of us don't have. And if i just give you one example of that. I mean, I find myself working in track and field a lot over the past um, 15 years. It, I mean, it's not a sport that I, I knew a lot about before I started. It all started with a coach who asked me if I had come and meet a Christian elite runner. And I did. And from that, I started going to events. I go to about 16. Um, elite track and field uh, athletics events in the year um, mainly around Europe but worldwide and in 2014 I asked two American athletes if they thought it would work to have a Bible study group of athletes at events and both of them gave me independently the same answer, that's a great idea but it may not work because of the challenges of uh, scheduling. Uh, but I have been doing that uh, since 2014. And 170 different athletes approximately have come to at least one of, one of our Bible studies. And it's just, you know, the night before competition, meeting for 45 minutes, looking at something from the Bible, hoping to encourage them, praying together. And I mean, one of my favorite memories from that was in Brussels, where it was the night before the Diamond League final, where uh, in each discipline, somebody was going to win $25,000. And we had three people who were going to compete against each other the next day, when one of them was going to win the money. And to see them meeting together as sisters in Christ, praying for each other was just a lovely example of, of how how one's Christian faith can be relevant even in the times of of great competition. I mean, it didn't mean that they weren't going to put 100% into beating each other the next day, but it was it was just obvious that there was something deeper uh, in that relationship, that they were friends before they competed and they were going to be friends after they competed. They were praying for each other before and they were going to pray for each other afterwards. And in a way, for me to be part of that, has been a great privilege, and just to walk alongside athletes, and you know, to be there when somebody wins a gold medal, and to be there when somebody falls when they're in a gold medal-winning position, is an immense privilege. uh And just uh, uh, you know, I feel utterly inadequate, but it's just it's just been been lovely uh, to be there. And as I say, I was able uh, to be accredited at five Olympics, and I've got. Uh, including Paris coming up next year. And just to be there, to be perhaps the first person an athlete speaks to after they've competed, whether it's gone well or badly, and just to be there, um, you know, it's not a moment for deep theology, but just to remind them that God loves them just as much whatever the outcome has been.
0: Well, that's a, a very encouraging story, a great story that sort of shows your impact, your love of the gospel and a love of athletes. And it also, uh, it, it exemplifies what Christianity brings to sport. And I wonder if I could try to just flip that on its head a second and tell me and ask you the question, what does sport afford back to Christianity? What is unique about sport, or what have you found to be unique about sport that uh, gives you access, uh, maybe, or opportunity for a person to develop? What, what is it about sport that you think uh, really is worth exploring when we think about Christianity?
2: Hmm. Hugh McLeod, in his book, incidentally, says at the very early in the book, that it seems to him that um, sport seems to need Christianity as much as Christianity needs sport. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting thought to pursue sometime. Um, Well, when you're talking about professional sport, that is really the person's job. And so in a way, I would say I'm just trying to help them to do their job better and to see where God fits into it their job. Um, I mean, it's very easy to think of sport as recreation. But if if you're a professional athlete, uh, in the sense of track and field athlete, you earn your living by how well you run. You earn your living by whether uh, Nike or New Balance think you're worth uh, paying to wear their uniform. And if it goes badly, you're out of a job. So just being able to walk with somebody through the good times and the bad times. And uh, something which, which I sort of became passionate about, and I finished up writing a paper with um, Rob Ellis on this, about worshipping God in sport, that just to help people to see that worship is not something you do for an hour on a Sunday, but worship is a whole life activity. And, um, you know, the, the old film Chariots of Fire, where the line is attributed to Eric little God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. And ju- just perhaps helping athletes to see giving the best of the talents they have been given back to God is a fo- as much a form of worship as singing on a Sunday morning. Um, and you know, I, I think that's something which I, I hope sport can show to churches that you know it's not all about the hour, um, ten thirty to eleven thirty on a Sunday morning, uh, and that worshiping God is an activity which can take place anytime, anywhere, and that includes um, while you're competing uh, in sport, whether recreationally. You know, I hope I'm worshiping God when I play my walking football. Uh, but equally, uh, you know, I I see elite athletes who are very much much aware of that. Uh, I mean, uh, Don, Her- Don Harper Nelson, who's an Olympic champion, used to point to the sky when her uh, name was announced to the crowd. And she said, that's just a simple way of reminding myself that God has given me the talent and that I'm here because God has has blessed me. I, I, suppose, I suppose that would be a, a point I would emphasize.
1: Stuart, you mentioned walking football again, and I, I wanted to come back to this. Can, I have two questions here, but the first one is just give us a simple... Uh, A layperson, that is Americanized description of what walking football is.
2: It's exactly the same as normal soccer, except you walk instead of running. And you're probably familiar with the concept of original sin. And there's a lot of it in walking football because lots of people run when they should be walking. (laughs) But basically, uh, the game, generally speaking, is played by people Uh, um, 50-plus. Since you asked me to talk about winning my medal again, um, I mean, that was in the (laughs) over-65s category. And, I mean, if you you imagine, uh, if you'd asked me when I was in my 20s, did I think I would be winning medals in my late 60s playing sport, I would have laughed at the idea. But it's it, it simply adapting the game to people of my age who still want to kick a ball around but who cannot sprint up and down. And we tend to play six a side um, for 15 minutes uh, and then have a little break uh, to, to, to avoid the risk of heart attacks. Uh, and then, and then, we, then, then we play on. And you know, it, it just – some of the people in my team would say that there – because I haven't lived in this area all my life. But some of them would say, you know, there's people I'm playing against that I started playing against 40 years ago. And, you know, that's just that's that's just a lovely experience, how, how sport can be adapted. And it, it is as much fun to score a goal in walking football in your late 60s as it was uh, in your 20s, I
1: can tell you. Scoring a goal, scoring a goal, huh? I, I guess the last I gotta ask one more follow up question here: um, Is running a a penalty, or is it just discouraged? Oh,
2: yes, you would be penalized.
1: You'd be penalized. Okay.
2: Um, it, yeah, in a in a in a competition, you would probably get one warning, and then you get a blue card, which would uh, have you stand on the sidelines for, uh, say, for for three minutes while the game continues, and your team is up is a player down.
1: Okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, th- that's great. And, and totally a side note, because the real question I wanted to ask here is to, to transition us towards Verite Sport and have you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how that came about and, and what it is that people can get in terms of resources through Verite Sport.
2: Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed my time at Christensen Sport, but it just came to an end. Uh, and I felt that, I wanted to continue working in sport. So I decided just to see whether setting up my own ministry would work. Uh, and it happened at a time when, um, we had, we had just paid off our house. Uh, my daughter who was trying to bankrupt me, it's called studying medicine,
1: <laughs> uh, was
2: suddenly no longer requiring to be bankrolled. And so, uh, the transition, the transition worked. And, um, I mean, I didn't, I didn't have a very clear idea uh, what I was going to do. I mean, initially, I didn't really think I'd continue work with professionals. That's become a major uh, emphasis. Um, and one of the things that, I, that I, I did for several years was to write a weekly devotional, just applying some aspect of the Bible Christian teaching to sport. And there are probably a thousand of those on my website. Uh, similarly, uh, I review a lot of books on um, sport and Christianity, and there's probably about 500 reviews on the website. And incidentally, if I just give you both a tip, if you want to fall out with someone, the easiest way to do it is to review their book. <laughs> um, because I mean, I feel that there's no point in saying this is the most wonderful book that's ever been written about every book. Uh, but I mean, basically what I'm trying to do in those reviews is not, it's not an academic review in the traditional sense, but I'm just trying to, to show somebody who sees the book title wonders just to, to read perhaps 500 words to give them an indication of whether the book is something that would, would help them with what they're working on. Um, and, um, yeah, to say that the, the bibliography that I produce, I just try to keep that up to date perhaps every year. And just, uh, you know, if you are looking for something on, um, you know, Paul's sporting metaphors, you'd find in my bibliography a list of, of all the stuff that I, I have found on that. Um, and for people in um, parts of the world, whether or not the libraries that we all have benefit uh, of, uh, I, I put in my bibliography uh, an offer to try and help people to source things uh, if if they're o- unable to do so. So again, I mean, I'm I'm not an academic, I'm I'm not an absolute expert, but I just try to put this together in the hope that it will help some people.
0: Well, Stuart, we appreciate those many years of service really to the world of sport and Christianity. The uh, huge amount of resources on Verite Sport. We'll link that as well on Sport Faith Life so people can find it. Um, That's a great opportunity. I think uh, your experience and wisdom come through in your words, not only about Verite Sport, but also about walking football. Uh, The idea that we're, uh, we're built to play and it uh goes through lifetime I, I think you know chad's at a phase of life he's just coming out of a phase of life where sport is modified for younger people and i'm at a phase of life where sport is modified for older people and so we all kind of uh want to keep playing we just we just change it a little as we go and yeah. i think that that's a that's a great thing that's a that's a great thing. So we really appreciate it. Thanks so much for coming on with us this, uh, uh, in this conversation, and we just encourage you to continue on in your work.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the Sport Faith Life podcast, a conversation at the intersection of sport and faith. Read the corresponding blog post and learn more about us at sportfaithlife.com. Listen to more of our podcasts on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Follow us on social media to stay up to date with everything sport, faith, life.